Assalamu alaikum. It is Monday, the twenty second of August, two thousand and twenty two. And in our series Reflections on the Holy Quran, this is broadcast number three hundred and forty eight. And in our last broadcast, we had started. Uh, to look at the meanings of the roots of uh, the words used in this verse of the Holy Quran. So this is the second part in uh, looking at the meanings of those words. Just to remind you that these broadcasts are brought to you by Laser, the Lahore MDS School of Education in Religion, which is a branch of uh, the Lahore Amdiya movement or Amdiya Nimanishat Islam. And uh, uh, you may know that Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Sahib was the founder of the Amdiya movement. And his teaching was that although people bring another prophet after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, this cannot be right because the Holy Quran says that uh, the Holy Prophet was Khatamun Nabiyyin and uh, the Holy Prophet explained its meaning by saying La Nabiyabadi, there is no Prophet after me. So no Prophet can uh, come. His teaching, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed's teaching was also that uh, Apart from Quran and Hadith, we need to look at Sunnat separately. Sunnat is what people saw the Holy Prophet do, like how he performed wuzu or how he conducted uh, certain salat. Now, hundreds of people saw that, learned from it, and then they taught others. And those others passed on this knowledge. So there can't be any doubt in the Sunnah. But of course with Hadith, which is collection of the sayings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, we have to be careful because the earliest collection was, uh, which was a short collection, about 80 years after the Holy Prophet passed away. And then the most well-known books, Bukhari and Muslim, were uh, compiled nearly 300 years after the passing away of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And this is why each of these begins with 
A told B, who told C, who told D, who told E, who said that the Holy Prophet Muhammad said forever. So with Hadith we have to be very careful and really test them against the Holy Quran, against nature, etc. for their authenticity. And Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed said that a Hadith, an authentic Hadith says that God will raise reformers among the Muslims. There will be no prophets, but reformers will come. And Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed said that because a prophet cannot arise, the Messiah and Mahdi spoken of in the Hadith is in fact a metaphor, is a title for one of these Mujaddids. And before him, many had appeared in different countries of the world. And this was a radical departure from uh, thinking at the time for, for, from uh, conservative orthodox theology. And people started saying that Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad and Ahmadis are kafirs and heretics and so on. And Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad again pointed to Hadith which said that if one reciter of the Kalima says to another reciter of the Kalima that you are a kafir, then it is the person saying it who is the kafir. And the Holy Prophet said this to show his distaste for such a practice. And yet we have these days commonly taken it, taken it upon ourselves to judge people and take over God's duties from him. Hazrat Mirza Ulam Ahmed also said, that there is no such thing as theory of abrogation, although other people say some prophetic wahi has been missed from the Holy Quran and uh, some that is in the Holy Quran is abrogated and cancelled and so on. He said that all prophetic revelation the Holy Prophet received is in the Holy Quran. And nothing from it is abrogated. This is the trick that extremists use to incite people, saying all the verses about peaceful coexistence in the Holy Quran are abrogated. Muslims are now told to go out and uh, convert people to Islam by force or kill them. This is a direct result of that theory. And Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad also said that uh, jihad is a duty of every Muslim. 
but jihad is defined by the holy prophet muhammad who when returning from fighting said that muslims were returning from the minor jihad to the major jihad and then went on to explain that major jihad is the jihad with your own inner self jihad bin nafs with your own soul with your own desires your greed and enmity and hatred and a thousand other things that we all know of so let us turn to as i said verse 103 of the chapter titled al-baqara the second chapter of the holy quran a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem bismillahir rahmanir rahim walaw annahum amanu وَاتَّقُوا لَمَا لَمَا خُبَتُمْ مِنْ عِنْدِ اللَّهِ خَيْرٌ لَوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ and if they had believed and kept their duty the reward from Allah would certainly have been better did they but no So today we are going to look at the word lama khuba lama khuba or lama khubatum sorry lama khubatum <coughs> So let's turn to my notes This word has the root fa ba ba ra wa ba and this root is found in the holy quran 28 times in the form of six words six words made from it are found in the holy quran and uh, the most common one 13 times is Hawab. and that's a noun literally return and eight times as fiab and three times as athaba and then the rest are sort of once or twice um, actually i forgot to say that it consists of uh, two segments the first law is for emphasis this is you know like good better best kind of thing so this emphasizes the noun that is to come the reward and it's 
basic meaning is for something to turn to its original condition or after reflection to take something to the condition it should be in. For example, you know, someone coming back home, Thaba, Fala means someone, Ila Darihi, someone came back home. But the most interesting application is cloth. One of the meanings is garments. It's reward, but it's also garment. So, <clears throat> how can it be garments? Because the purpose of the thread that you have is to make a garment. So, once you've used the thread and made cloth from it, then it is in the state that it should be in. So that is what Thawabul Amr. Many return of some action. Uh, there is an interesting verse, chapter 74 or verse 4 is some people take it literally and they say, well, it means that we should keep our clothes pure and clean. And uh, some say, well, this is a metaphor. Thayab here actually means your soul, your inner self. So, this verse is actually telling us not only about physical purity, but also spiritual purity. That we should keep our insides, our thoughts, our desires, and so on, pure as well. And this is supported by another verse, chapter 23, verse 33, that can be cleanliness of the inner self. So the Holy Quran says, Innama yuridullahu lijuzhiba ankumurrijsa ahlal bayti wa yutakhirakum tabakhira. O family of the Prophet, Allah desires that you keep your, that you keep away from uncleanness so that He purifies them. So, I mean, if we are going to take this to mean physical purity, what does it mean that the Holy Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's family 
you bathe, I don't know, 10 times a day or something, so that they're physically clean? No. It means that they're responsible for ensuring that their nafs, their inner self, their soul, is kept away from uncleanness. And once they do that, the return is that God will return their inner self to purity. And of course, the word afawabu, you know, do simply known as sawab, and that is the return that a person gets for his actions. So God says in chapter 59, verse 7, Whoever does the tiniest bit, the atom's worth of good, then he will see that. So here, uh, the return is to the person who does good and to his soul or spirit, etc. <clears throat> I mean, literally, because it's return, if you do good, the return will be good. And if you do bad, the return will be bad. But generally, thawab or thawaban has come to be used for good deeds. Thawabam min aindillahi wallahu indahu husnut thawab. Chapter 3, verse 195. And it is God's return, God's reward. And God always gives a good reward. And in another place, Fatahumullahu thawab dunya wa husna thawab al akhirah. Chapter 3, verse 148. So in this world and in the hereafter, they will get a good reward or a good return. And similarly in this verse here, if they believed and had been muttaki, done their duty, then they would have been granted a good return, a good reward. La. This emphasizes the degree of their return. <clears throat> Similarly, for Afa Bahumullah, who be Makalu Jinnatin Tajri, 
min taqtihal an min taqtihal anhar chapter 5 verse 85 and then god will grant them gardens under which flow rivers in that the description of heavens or jannat but interestingly in uh, chapter 2 verse 152 it's also used to mean punishment fa athabakum aghama sorry aghamma bihum and god inflicted upon them sorrow upon sorrow so you can say that punishment this is a metaphor that punishment is described as thawab but if you keep in mind that it means return then if you do a good deed the return will be good if you do a bad deed the return will be bad bad for example we have hal subibal kufar chapter 83 verse 23 and the unbelievers will be paid back in full now unbelievers will be they're not going to be paid back with something good so that is that you know for their disobedience etc they'll be punished as they deserve to be and in chapter 2 verse 125 is a very interesting use of this where it says wa is ja'alnal bayta mathabatan lin nas and uh, when we made the house a place for people to gather this refers to the holy kaaba of course and uh, some people says here mathabatan it means a place of return a place of reward and uh, uh, <clears throat> the widows and uh, divorced women the same word is used for them chapter 66 verse 5 riyab timba abkara so but the interesting thing to remember is that we're talking about a return thawab in the or thawab in the sense of when you do something because in some well in some countries i say but especially in india and pakistan what people do is that when uh, a, a relative or beloved person dies away uh, uh, you know like a father or their mother or someone then they gather people together and uh, 
they hold certain ceremonies and the holy quran is recited uh, in full sometimes by, by uh, professional people not the family doing the recitation it's professional reciters who do the recitation and then after the recitation um, the uh, uh, they come and they say right okay uh, how many parts of the holy quran have been recited and i'll say you know i did one part and someone will say i'll uh, i recited three parts and, and and so on and they count it all up and then they say well uh, then they divide it add them all up and divide them by 30 and they say uh, you know so many qurans have been uh, completed and uh, all the reward all the return that these people who recited the holy quran were going to uh, receive i am now <coughs> i am now going to transfer it to the uh, to the deceased but looking at these verses of the holy quran that i've just recited it makes it clear that thawab is a return and return is something you do and then it's returned. The consequence is returned. You know, for example, you only get paid at the end of the week or end of the month if you turn up for work. Well, you may be sick and might send in a sick note and so on, but okay, that is also you doing something. You know, if the doctor says to me, I need to lose weight. And uh, I need to, uh, I don't know, go for a run or go for a walk for an hour or so. And I can't be bothered. And I ask someone, look, I'll give you 10 pounds. Can you run three miles for me? And then after you run, I'll give you 10 pounds and you will transfer the benefit of running to my health, from your health. Do you think it's possible physically? That someone else does the running and I get the health benefit. You're going to say, don't be so stupid. How can that possibly work? But it's the same thing. It's exactly the same thing. What we're saying is that this person has died and he's gone. And I'm going to do some good deed and a third party is going to come and transfer the reward of my good deed from me to someone else. How is that possible? This is un-Islamic, un-Quranic as far as these verses of the, uh, the Holy Quran are concerned because the idea is return. It's a result of something that you have done that is coming back for you. So if you haven't done it, there is no return for you. You know, if the doctor says go for a run, for, for, for a three mile run 
every day and I don't. And I pay someone, as I said, to run on my behalf. He is the one who is going to get the money and the health benefit, not me. I'll only get the health benefit if I go out and do the running. Um, where this idea has come from, uh, I don't have a definitive answer for that. But of course, uh, yeah, it's very similar to uh, the Christian idea that I've seen and Jesus Christ, the Holy Prophet Jesus Christ, he ascended the cross for my sins. And uh, the action he took, its reward is not going to be given to him, but its reward is going to return to me. And uh, uh, wash away all my sins for me. Uh, this is not a definitive answer. I'm just, uh, I, I'm just guessing that maybe because the idea is very similar uh, to that. Maybe there is something uh, similar in Hinduism, etc., as well, which we have uh, followed. I don't know. But with that, I take my leave of you with the prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep all of you safe and sound and free from uh, harm. Assalamu alaikum, khuda hafiz, and goodbye.